0: Welcome, everybody, to the A.J. Osborne Show, where we focus on our core tenets, impact, freedom, and progress. Join me and others as we grow through education and discussion. Welcome, everybody, to the A.J. Osborne Podcast. And I could not be more excited about our guest today. I think the world of him. He is not only an incredible Incredible investor. He's written multiple books, including the wise investor that just came out. He is a licensed real estate broker and co-founder of the RealWealth.com. But aside from all his accolades and real estate investing, he's just one of the coolest people I've ever met. We have so wow. many similar <laughs> interests. So i'm so excited rich thanks for coming on man this is thanks man one of the
1: coolest people you've ever met man it's like whoa i know you know some cool people too
0: (laughs) hey i I don't know a lot of people that have jumped off the golden gate bridge
1: no (laughs) No, i I don't either just a couple (laughs) (laughs) my brother and me
0: (laughs) Like you, you have such an interesting story too um and obviously you know one that i find near and dear because it's very similar obviously to a uh, my story. So before we get into just give people a background, like what got you into real estate investing? How'd you guys start real wealth? And that just took off just exploded amazing what you guys mm-hmm. have created and done. I it's just so amazing to see all your success. Like what, what got you there? Why? Why'd you start?
1: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. It's um, yeah. I mean, not as close as devastating to your story, but uh, you know, it's it's a story. It's uh, you know, it was about 20 years ago. I was riding high on. I had just uh, signed a book deal with Simon and Schuster. I was giving keynotes all over the country and had a very thriving coaching practice. Um, just life was great. And then I was diagnosed with melanoma, uh, ginger, fellow ginger. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. uh, so one of these freckles, uh, turned big. And, uh, so I went in and had the surgeries to remove it. And the doctor said, I want you to get a scan to make sure it hasn't spread. And they saw four masses on my liver. And so after multiple tests, I met with an oncologist and he said, you know, it looks like it's spread to your liver. You probably have about six months to live. And so it was a punch in the gut really. And, uh, it just was, it just rocked our world. I had a 10 year old daughter, I had a three year old daughter. Uh, it was just crazy. And then my wife, Kathy, you some of your guests, some of your, Listeners are probably familiar with Kathy Fetke, the more attractive Fetke, <laughs> she <laughs> she, um, she was a stay-at-home mom at the time. And she, she was like, okay, I gotta figure out a way to make ends meet if Rich, if Rich dies. And she had this small radio uh, show in San Francisco area. And she would do things on personal development and coaching. And so she's like, I got to find a way to figure this out. So she started to have guests on who were financially free and successful. And she found out that most of them had made their money through real estate investing. So one of them was a mortgage broker. He kind of told her how to do it. She got all excited about it. And luckily, thankfully, the doctor's diagnosis was wrong. The melanoma didn't spread to my liver. It was a hemangiomas that looked like cancer on a scan, but the PET scan showed no cancer. And here I am 20 years later, totally healthy and fine. Thank goodness. But that was the impetus for Kathy to say, like, I have to do something. And that turned her on to finding mentors to real estate investing. We started to invest together. Um, She actually ended up having Robert Kiyosaki on her show who said, sell, this is 2000, this is about 2005, 2006. She said, he said, Sell all your high-priced California properties and go to go to Dallas, Texas, and so that's Kathy and I did that. And we didn't sell all our California properties, sadly, because some of those we had to do a short sale on them <laughs> after the crash. But uh, we did buy six properties in the Dallas area, and then we started to have other friends and family and other people want to know how to do that. And so we formed what we thought would be a small group of investors. We thought it would maybe be a couple hundred friends and family and stuff. And today Real Wealth is now over 63,000 members that we've helped um become financially free through real
0: estate. It's amazing. Hmm. Hey, I I don't I don't know that there's any better accolade than that right now there that number that you've helped create others become financially free and take more control of their life. I Mm -hmm. I just think that uh, that is a great way to measure your success. Yeah,
1: that is the way we measure it. Yeah. Now we have a thing called a real wealth assessment, where people can fill out these 20 questions, and they get a score at the end A 100 would be completely financially free, fulfilled and real wealth to us is more than just money. It's about having money and freedom to live life on your own terms. So it's it's also taking care of your health and your relationships and your romance and your personal growth and all that stuff. So when people fill out this real wealth assessment, they get a score. And so now our new mission is within five years, we want to have a 1000 people have filled out that form saying that they are now financially free where they started without being financially free. And then then they are so yes, that's how we measure it.
0: That's, I love it. I love it. That's such a a powerful thing. It's, you know, it's why we, we took on investors after, you know, I got out of the hospital. I was like, okay, let's bring other people in and allow them for the same reason. Yeah. It was, okay. I'm financially free. That saved me when I was fired in the hospital. Yeah. And so for me, the power of that is more than just wanting. So what you've created or help what you've helped others create, you know, that's powerful. And yes, mm. so it's that's not- where you
1: get that crazy AJ drive, huh? That's
0: right. <laughs> it's that's that right. bigger purpose. I love it. <laughs> exactly. It's, you know, it, it's, it's more than money. It's not, it's not what it's about. I love the idea too, that real wealth, it, it, it is all encompassing. Yeah. Relationships, health, it's, it, it's, you know, being the best that you can, like, like I view progress as the driving factor, Right. So it's not a, nice. the, the obtaining goal is like hard, but it's like, I want to make sure that my team is driving capital or money, right? That's, that's a measuring stick for my business mm-hmm. because currency is a tool that we use, right? So yeah, use it as score. a metric to simply judge that progress, but every year we want to be better than we were the year prior. And that's not something I want to end, right? right not something right. that I feel like you meet. And so I love this idea that wealth, it, it's the same way. I, I hope that I have a better relationship with my wife, my kids, every single year, right? Yeah, it's right. all encompassing.
1: That's yeah, all, you know, it's like yeah, getting better. I love that. So it goes back to Plato, right? Where they're getting better, or we're dying, and <laughs> we're going backwards. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very important to me. That's my driving force: is to become the best version of myself and help others become the best version of themselves. It goes beyond money, but that's a big part of it.
0: And you know, I think one of the lo- uh, the reasons that I just you know love you and your wife so much is you live what you say. I mean, you are someone that has done amazing things. And you done know, a lot of things. I mean, from bodybuilding to extreme sports, it's, you know, you, you feel like when you wanted something, you actually went after it, you made a decision and you drove it.
1: Mm-hmm. Now,
0: that's a big differentiator that I see in people, like some people, they say, Oh, I want to do this, they actually go through, they, they do it. It's not that they have the answers. It's not that they know something that other people don't. It's that they take action. And you are a 100% a man of action, you go for it. It doesn't you analyze risk, right? And you go base jumping, right? And you move (laughs) in and start companies and you invest. How what is it about you? Like, why? Is that just something natural? Or is that something you've had to really cultivate that says, when I make up my mind, I want to do something I'm not going to Analysis paralysis, I'm not going to sit around and I'm going to start moving towards that goal and figuring it out as I go.
1: Yeah, you know, it really comes down to almost, I don't know if it's selfish, maybe it is because that's where happiness comes from to me yeah. is improving, growing, going after new things and being moving progressively toward what I really want. What's important to me. Um, you remember the life wheel that we did at uh, the master yes. class that we did in, in Maui. Yeah. Yes. So that life wheel, it has these 10 major areas of your life. I'm constantly filling out a new life wheel to look at where am I? And my goal is to have it be a 10 in all areas. It's like, I haven't gotten there yet, but it's, you know, there's a lot of eights, there's a lot of nines. It's, there's a bunch of tens as well well in these areas of my life so it's um there's something about that it's like getting clear on what it is that I really want and then moving toward it it brings a lot of joy a lot of happiness a lot of fulfillment gets me out of bed in the morning early gets me you know moving along and yeah and I wasn't that way and I was a completely I, I didn't even graduate with my high school class I was diagnosed learning disabled when I was a kid so I think a lot of it is to like overcome that little inner gremlin in my head that says you're never going to amount to anything you're not successful you're, you know so i got that gremlin over here and i get this guy over here saying oh yeah watch me do this
0: <laughs> now uh, what okay now i got a question what, what, what were you diagnosed with learning disabilities uh hyperkinetic which is
1: today adhd they didn't have it back then when i was eight yep. years old um so yeah massachusetts general hospital diagnosed me i was put on ritalin uh, really hard time in school hard, somewhat dyslexic um just had a really hard time and then honestly it was it was the bodybuilding that turned things around for me I you know in junior year of high school I was getting bullied and punched by this kid in gym class every time I'd go to gym class and I was like I'm gonna this summer I'm gonna get buffed I'm gonna take martial arts and I'm gonna kick his ass when we get next yeah. year and uh and then the next year I came in all buffed this guy comes up to me and he's like hey fed key you're looking good, man. And I just let it all go. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> That's Thanks. nice. But yeah, so that, but that the bodybuilding is what really taught me about setting a goal, breaking it down into small parts, you know, consistent daily discipline, small actions that add up to big results. And then I started to apply that toward you know I got my high school degree finally got into uh, college into a, a community college before I went into a, a you know a larger college um, so all, yeah all that carried over and just like I was like oh this this works this goal setting stuff
0: Rich we're like the same person I'm ADHD <laughs> brother I had from dyslexic. another mother huh? <laughs> exactly I had to leave school in freshman year I had to leave oh, high school and I, had to, I didn't know that had to tutor and trained yeah. Yeah. And the school, like, you know, kind of same thing as you put on Ritalin. And, you know, they're mm-hmm. like, not sure what to do with me. And they're not so, uh, you know, you have to figure it out on your own, which is hard when you're that age, because, you know, everybody's basically telling you, you're dumb, even though you're not, but oh, yeah. You, yeah, you don't understand, because you learn in a different way than other people do. So, you know, it's hard when, yeah, my mom's like, you're not dumb. They're dumb. You just learn different, and that's okay, right? And it's like, yeah, but you're my mom. You got to say that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Everybody
0: else is like, exactly. Yeah. Moms are always the here. <laughs> it's,
1: like, it's so true. No, I was also I was in classes for like learning disabled kids, and I was in there with some kids who were severely, you know learning disabled yeah and then I remember in homeroom once this kid's just like hey Fedki, when are you going to go to the retard class and it was like and I just you know I said something I shouldn't have I got expelled from school that day yeah. <laughs> and uh but then I told my mom what I said and why I said it and she's like okay and yeah, just stay home go rake the yard
0: <laughs> that's that's exactly how I was I was put in a class with um you know kids that were severely impaired and handicapped and it's crazy when you're there and you're like okay like i don't have these same problems but you're treating me as if i do so then it starts to get confused as a kid
1: you internalize it
0: yeah you're like am i i guess i am i don't know obviously Mm -hmm. because this is where i have to be and uh, you know it got to a point where i couldn't i was not going yeah because i'm like why would i go if nobody thinks that i can do this if i you know so I just stopped going oh, I'm like you. My mom's like, oh, okay, well that doesn't work. I understand right. why. We got to figure something else out. And
1: Crazy. look at you now.
0: <laughs> look at you now. Awesome. Right. But
1: there's
0: That's something cool. about that, like I think that really helped me is you know as I like see in you, you figure out a way. It's like yeah. th- I'm not being provided an option in this situation. So if I have to do this, I got to do it my own way. I got to figure this out. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I I don't work within that system. And that actually makes a lot of sense, looking at you and what you've accomplished and it, your life. It's like, I'm just going to figure it out.
1: Mm, yeah, and then you get obsessed, or I should say, yes. I got obsessed with learning. So, and it's like, oh wait a minute, I love learning. This is amazing. Yes. And now with the internet and you know to look things up and stuff and videos and Audible audio books, you know, it's yeah. like, whoo, yeah, it's awesome. It is awesome.
0: Now, how did you get into extreme sports?
1: yeah that's no well that that happened um about the same time as you know i mean i've been skiing since i was three my parents got me into that earlier early so with my younger brother he's four years younger than i am we were always pushing ourselves to do bigger jumps and bigger cliffs and all that stuff so i think that's where adrenaline addiction began and the thrill of it you know and yeah yeah, from there it went to rock climbing and then it went to bungee jumping as you're talking about and skydiving um you know surfing and the waves get bigger and bigger so yeah i think that's it it started with the skiing skiing
0: that's that's how mine started too and then that progressed Uh, speed flying everything else but yeah, yeah i've
1: seen those videos of you no. kite <laughs> boarding across the snow yes. that's,
0: that's amazing <laughs> oh, that's fun stuff now you you really dove in and i love this you know event that made you guys have to rethink things you're mm. faced with a situation obviously like we were talking about before that this is not in the plans rich leaving is not Part of the plans we expected to have a provider totally. for the family now we're faced with a certainty at the time that that's going away right. and we have no plan so back to what we talked about before we gotta figure this out mm-hmm. and we got to get around this and uh, when you guys started investing and you started went on a, i'm very interested in that when you found out that that wasn't happening they goodness, like you're not actually going to die. Was there a time when it's like, oh, we don't have to do this? Or <sighs> uh-huh. was it? no, well, we're really sold on this. Let's let's keep going. And you just did you just keep that motivation through that?
1: Yeah, you know, it was the eye opener. It's like, I was in that camp. It's like I was you know Arnold Schwarzenegger was a big you know influence on on me uh, being a yeah. bodybuilder, and then just his his ability to have a vision and say I'm going to accomplish this and what he's done, and I remember reading his uh, biography and reading about him and uh, all the real estate that he owned, yeah. and and I was just like someday when I have enough money, I'm going to invest in real estate. So that was my mindset. It's when I have enough money. So I knew I wanted to do it. But then we learned, and you know, this is, like I said, it was just like 2003 when we were really looking at it and saying like, oh, wow, you mean you can go into the bank and tell them you wanna buy a property and they just, you know, pay for the whole thing, you know, nothing down and everything. So all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait a minute, I don't have to have a lot of money. and. And I thought I had to have hundreds of thousands of dollars before I could start investing in real estate, not realizing that like, even today you can do it with what, you know, 30 grand, you know, you know, or or less, it all depends on how you want to invest. Um, But I I was just in that mindset of this is the way it, it has to be. So it was an eye opener for Kathy and me of like, Oh, wait a minute, we can do a cash out refi in this house that we, you know, we've got our first house in 1997. Because her dad had Kathy's dad had to do a ten thirty one, and so he helped us buy this, acquire this property. We handled it all. We rented out the lower level. We basically house hacked back back then, threw it up on Craigslist and had tenants and all that. So that was kind of like our first intro into being landlords, and then realizing that we could do a uh, cash out refi and use some of the money in that house to invest. We were just nowhere on fire. Then we're like, okay, we want to build a real estate empire now. (laughs) It got addicting.
0: Hundred mm-hmm. percent. You know, um, which dude, you're you're very lucky for a lot of reasons, but also because uh uh Kathy's amazing. Yes. So or, you <laughs> know, my luckiest part. <laughs> yeah. Like it's uh, you know, she's absolutely wonderful, and you guys just are are a great pair. And you started one of the things that um you know we've had discussions in in Hawaii elsewhere is when you know, you went through a time that was a transition from you investing into real estate to you actually had to build a real estate company, right? right. You actually had to build a, a business around the real estate that you were doing. Yeah. Walk me through how you that, that started and how you think about it. Was it just growing pains and we had to figure it out? Or mm. you know, when did that start? When did you go from investing in real estate to creating a real estate business? That's a really good question. It's um, so...
1: It, so Kathy got her uh, license so she could be a mortgage broker. So one of the guests that she had on her show was a mortgage broker. And he said, hey, I'll sponsor your show here because so you actually have to pay to be on a one on a big radio station in San Francisco. So he's like, I'll pay for the time. Let me be your co-host. And they started doing things around mortgages and how people are being creative, buying investment properties and getting the mortgage. Reserve. So she got her license as a mortgage broker and she started doing really well with that um and then so it's this real dance in the moment thing that's when she started to um have people on her radio show and she comes home and she's like I just don't want it to be like a boring financial story you know financial show uh so she switched and focused on human interest stories and being like what are you doing with that mortgage and what why are you investing and where are you investing so that led us to you know we were investing on in our own thing but then people wanted were asking kathy how do i invest what can i do how, you know and it it forced her in a way to force her to find different agents around the country who had properties available and then she would get the she would do the mortgage on these properties and that's how she would get compensated for it um but then that's then we started to realize that oh wait a minute if we have a real estate brokerage we can actually re- refer clients to these property providers and get a referral fee, a broker to broker referral fee. So then I went out, I studied and got my broker's license. And then we became actually a California real estate brokerage where we can refer people to other markets around the country, to other brokers and get that typical, you know, three to 5% broker referral fee. So it's a total win, win, win where like, Helps these California investors who don't know where to buy. They can't buy in California in cash flow. Helps them get into a property that's going to work for them. It helps the people, the broker who's selling the property, find investors um, coming in from California, and it helps us because you know our team gets compensated for for helping people people out.
0: You know, it's a uh, it, the greatest hack in the world. Right. Make your money in California and move it out of California. Like <laughs> right? the greatest wealth hack it. You know, I've I, I've been trying to figure this out and I haven't quite figured it out yet. But um I I'm trying to track and, and I'm talking to a research firm because what I wanted to look and see is, you know, as uh, this money from California, as people, it's not just about people leaving California. So we know that the there's a lot of migration going back and forth. And California makes other states and industries, or excuse me, states and cities, boom, by itself. Like, you know, Idaho, where I live, and other places, it is extraordinarily contingent on money from California still coming in, right? It's that makes up 80% of the people that move here and everything else and it's it's crazy it's uh you know in the place that I live right you know it I mean really the Boise the Treasure Valley area I ask everybody when I meet them oh hey how's it going yep AG Osborne where are you from because they're not from here right
1: yeah California
0: (laughs) or Seattle so Uh it's like you know one of the two but um (laughs) I we have a lot of like police officers we have a lot of superintendents and what I realized I'm like we're draining the pensions from California. Oh, so oh. all these people with pensions are moving to Arizona, Texas, Idaho, where they have this like $200,000 pension, and they're moving to a state where $200,000 is amazing. Right. It's right? going and into your like, economy. Exactly. And, you know, that's a big demand. And you guys really caught this idea that says, listen, you're right, the local markets. You know, we may not have cash flow, we may not have as good of opportunities, depending on what you're trying to get out of real estate investing. But you were like a connector, right? Oh, well, that's, let's yep, help. One of our core values
1: future. is connection. <laughs> right? There yeah. you go. Yeah.
0: I mean, what a great business model that was predicated on a demand that you had yourself. So this is a problem you solved. Yeah. You said, hey, we went there. We were told we went and did it. Now let's help others do it as well.
1: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. We didn't realize how um, how big it would get. You know, it's pretty cool, yeah. but we're grateful. Yeah, yeah. Now we have this amazing team of employees who just you know love what they do and making a big difference. And you know, our purpose is helping people create real wealth. So it's a pretty exciting purpose to be on to be on track with.
0: It is. Um, now now, uh, walk me through. It, you've got your your first book out, but you have got a new book out called The Wise Investor right? Mm -hmm. It's a modern parable about creating financial freedom and living your best life. So it ties to these core values that you're speaking of right now, right? Holistic wealth approach, Um, talking about, you know, all of these things that you obviously really believe, and it drives you. Um, Tell me what, first of all, why'd you write the book? And then walk me through kind of, you know, what what you talk about.
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, no, it's funny because I have a coach. I, his name's Kenji. I speak to him every Friday and we go over stuff. And, you know, early on when he, I think I hired him probably nine or 10 years ago, and I'd sent him my first book, which is called Extreme Success. Um, that was the one that was published by Simon & Schuster. And that's comparing extreme sports and adventure sports to business and life and dealing with fear and being focused and everything. It was very much a, you know, a self-help nonfiction book. And I had sent that to Kenji. And, and so for the last almost 10 years, he's been saying, when are you going to write your next book? I loved your first book, you know? And I'm like, I wrote my book, <laughs> I'm done, you know? Yeah. And, but then it was about, probably about two years ago, um, we had been applying story branding to our business. Are you familiar with that story brand? No. Uh, it's this guy, Don Miller. And it's basically, Don Miller, it wrote a book called um, Creating a Story Brand, I think it is, or something like that, but it's story branding. And it's, it's basically, you're telling the story and your customer is the hero, just like Joseph Campbell, the hero's journey. So the customer's the hero and you are the guide, your company's the guide. And I got really into this whole hero's journey and how a great story is told and how a great story is written. And so we really moved all our marketing and our whole focus is our customer is the hero. They have something they want. They have a problem and a challenge that's getting in the way and they need a guide like a Yoda or whatever. And yeah. we're the guide, you know, we're the guide to help them. And that leads them to a successful outcome. Like you, so many movies, you know, it doesn't matter yeah. what movie you look at it. So I got so into this thing. And then all of a sudden I just, I love parables. I love, you know, yeah. fables and all that. I've written, you know, I, I mean, I've read so many from the alchemist to, um, the monk who sold his Ferrari to, you know, some of the go-giver, you know, all these books. And, and I was like, you know, I could do a parable. I mentioned that to my coach and he, so he caught on to that and he kept kind of nudging me on it. And then, then it just consumed me. And so um, the reason I wrote a story is because it's, it's compelling. I think a story moves beyond just information and it hits people emotionally and it, it inspires them to take action. And so there's so many, the the stats on nonfiction books are incredible. Most people, like 85% of people do not make it past the second chapter in a nonfiction book. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah. Is so important. I didn't want to write a, a book where people were going to read the first two chapters and then you know move on to the next book or forget about it or get distracted. Yeah. And, and so I wanted to write a compelling story. And so that's exactly what the wise investor is. It takes all these lessons and principles that I've learned over the last 20 years since we started investing and beyond before that, you know, all through coaching and and coaching all those clients and a lot of the real wealth stories that we're hearing from our members and how they've invested and become financially free. uh, I wanted to weave all that into the story. So a wise investor, is like this, it's a story about this guy who is, he's a husband, He's a father, he's a hard worker, but he works so many hours that he doesn't have time for his wife or his kids or his life or to take care of his health, to take care of, you know, to be there. And then he meets this wise mentor, a friend, becomes friends with him who really inspires him and shows him a whole new way to financial freedom. And then this guy, Ryan Brooks is his name. He just, he becomes wealthy in more ways than he ever thought possible.
0: That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, I love to I think, like most people, um, I love stories. I love parables. It's one of the reasons that Christ was such a great teacher, because he pulled things from, you know, the scriptures, which were very convoluted, and they were, you know, they were held from the public. And only a few got to see them and uh, yeah, they the were different almighty. languages, yeah. And he pulled it down and just said in very simple, loving terms that everybody could understand, mm. right? And oh, I and God. I just love this how stories communicate and how they build a picture. And it's funny that I think you love it, I love it, because I did a lot of research and studying on um, you know, ADHD, right, mm-hmm. and how we think it everything. And it's something that Ray Dalio also has a problem with. And that's our rote memory. So like you have three kinds of memory, but the rote memory is a, or I think of it as the regurgitation memory. So you read something and you just say it. And Uh people with ADHD dyslexia, right? The rote memory doesn't work very good. It has to be connected to something. So once it's connected though, it's very deep. So their understanding of, of things that they're interested in, are really deep, deep understandings, they mm-hmm. connect all the dots, right. And it's That's like, nice. they can see things that other people can't see, because they have to because the rope memory, just simple regurgitation of information, you know, doesn't work. And so for me, it's like, when I hear stories, I can see the picture, I can pull it in, I can have an understanding and a layer that, you know, I, I just think it's harder. And especially when you're starting out in finance, right. and in economics and things mm-hmm. where you're like, this is another language that I was never taught before. Yeah, And you've got, once people understand it, they have this whole new vocabulary, right? And everything else, then you're hearing people talk. And it's almost <laughs> like, it's, it's like off-putting, right? You're like, I, I feel dumb just hearing you say normal things because I don't understand it.
1: Yeah. It's like a different language. That's fascinating, man. I did not know that because I mean, I don't know the, the lyrics of a song all the way through, you know, there's some songs like old rush songs. I was back into that in high school that that tell a story. I can remember those, but it's wild. It's, you know, and my, my younger, my daughter, both my daughters, they know the words to every song, you know, every single, I'm like, how how do you do that? Yeah. yeah, Okay. So it's just this thing. Yep. (laughs) It works. It works well some ways, but not in some others. (laughs) Exactly. And
0: so it's like, you know, I think that stories is that connectivity that pulls everybody in Mm. from people that you can teach, like you are in the wise investor, you can teach deep deep principles in a way that everyone can understand. It's not like you've got one of these books of numbers, mathematics, and everything else like that to try to say the exact same thing that could have been expressed uh, a lot easier. And I think our, our first, uh, you know, it's my first, when I read books, like, um, you know, the, like you said, The Millionaire Next Door, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Things like that. And it was like, oh, I get it. Right. I get it, right? Like economics, when I went to school, I hated it. I hated microeconomics. Oh, right. I yeah. couldn't stand it. I'm like, yeah. I don't get this supply demand chart. Exactly. I'm like, Oh, which everyone listening to this is probably like, AJ, you hate economics. Cause I'm obsessed <laughs> right now. Right. You know, but, um, it's what I first did. It, it was exactly that. Cause I didn't get it. I didn't understand it, mm-hmm. but then I started reading and I loved Warren Buffett for these reasons. Mm-hmm. Warren Buffett could teach.
1: He simplifies, yeah.
0: simplify things and connect it. Yeah. Like, and that's what you, you do story. now.
1: That's what you do yeah. so well now, honestly. Yeah, it's still what your Instagram videos is like, I've learned so much from you. And I've been in the game for a while. But it's like, yeah, you simplify. And I'm like, Oh, now I get it. So yeah, I love that.
0: Well, and I, I just think that your way that you approach this book is, I, I I really think that this is what we need more of. Um, We need more ways to bring people in and understand it more than a boring finance, right? More than Understanding how, too, like like you talk and you know the discussions that you have, you can just see it in you. It connects to all these parts. Mm, like, thank in, you. It's like it connects to your life. It, it connects to who you are. So it's not just about money. Right.
1: Yeah. I don't want to be one of those authors or speakers who says, you know, take my advice. I'm not using it. Right. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I want to walk the talk and follow it and stuff. And, you know, and I'm super stoked. Robert Kiyosaki wrote the forward for the wise investors. Super oh, that's happy amazing. Yeah. yeah, totally amazing. And in the forward, he writes something about just like you were just saying, he said, this is not a how-to book on investing, but it might inspire you to learn more about investing. And this is not a how-to book on goals or self-discipline, but it might inspire you to take a hard look at how you go after your own goal. So it's it's really cool. So he, yeah.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, he's like the king of financial education. <laughs> he's
1: like- <laughs> He's got the yeah. best-selling finance book of all time all in history. High. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really and grateful.
0: Too, to- applying that principle that we were just talking about. Rich dad, poor dad was predicated on a story between two dads. Right. And we could all understand it mm-hmm. because why was one rich and why was one poor? Let me explain it to you. Yeah. So, like people like me, like you, are like, I get it. I get it. Okay, that makes sense. Right. Very easy, a little chart. Let's look at it. Let's connect. What did he do that was different? Um, and totally. I think about how many lives that's changed.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Millions, millions, millions. Exactly. Yeah. It's cool. So that's how I wanted to, and a lot of the principles in the wise investor, you know, come from rich dad, poor dad, they come from this, this wisdom that we know. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners and any real estate investors, a lot of it's going to be like, you know, preaching to the choir, but at the same time, it also, it's like, it's a way that's why it's, it's, about creating financial freedom but also living your best life. So it's carrying a lot of the lessons that I learned from coaching people for 20 years
0: yeah. and
1: and really looking at you know going beyond just making a lot of money, you know, it definitely goes into that how to create that that income and from yeah. appreciation and using leverage and all these great lessons, but it also goes into really taking a look at what is it that you really want? What does your best self look like? And how? what's the gap between where you are and who you want to be? So it definitely addresses those things. It goes beyond a typical financial book.
0: That's awesome. Well, now that we've talked about that, I, I want to talk about more financial stuff and just seeing where you view the world. So mm. where where do you view the world at? How are you guys planning on, on moving forward? What are your thoughts with inflation, interest rates? Um, you are very well connected. You um, are at events, you know, rich to Porta, you know, uh, people and you hear a lot of what our listeners, they're not probably privileged to what are you hearing out there? Yeah. And what are people saying?
1: Well, and I'm married to Kathy Fetke, <laughs> so I get to be around it all the time and listen through her office door all the podcasts she's on. she you know, and just that that um, what was the fourth episode? She's a you know co-host of the Bigger Pockets uh, on the Market yeah. podcast, and that that one was incredible, just talking about. Uh, cash flow versus appreciation and where are we going and where are we heading now and inflation rates and everything. So yeah, I mean, I do believe that that was
0: incredible. I actually had that sent Jimmy sent it to me. Oh, yeah. And I um, read it. And after that, I looked that guy up. That was a great episode wasn't so, it
1: great yeah, oh, yeah yeah very engaging yeah it's like it was like yeah i loved it um so um I mean yes they're definitely seeing inflation continuing you know and the dollar devaluing there's no doubt about that so um we, we're honestly we're doing the same thing that we've done for 20 years we're just getting into smart investments in real estate uh we're getting long term we're not doing any type of Arms, Oops. we're not doing any you know short-term financing. Uh we're actually buying a, a townhouse right now in Park City uh that we developed. We did the syndication on this whole thing and built like, 50 uh single-family homes and a bunch of townhomes, but it's right next to Woodward Training Center, which is the Olympic ski yeah. snowboard training center. And so our townhouse is literally right there looking out at the slopes with the half pipe and the jumps and everything. That's amazing. So we had to buy one there. So, anyway, mm-hmm. I was just locking in and looking at do I want to do a seven year arm or a 30 year fixed? And, you know, we did the 30 year fixed because it's like yep. it came in at like 5.1 or something like that percent. And, uh, which is, you know, it's like let's lock that in because yeah. I, I just, inflation is going to, rates are going to keep going up uh definitely through this year i mean the federal reserve i mean not that i mean um, they're just they're talking about we have to slow down inflation and yeah. they they are actually have stated we want to create a recession yeah <laughs> we have to
0: yes so, the federal reserve it was what was it three hours ago just announced they upped a half a point the highest point. increase And over two decades. Isn't
1: that insane? And we got our, our rate lock yesterday (laughs) on that 30 year, right? So, but we're, you know, just doing the same thing, being smart, you know, Kathy and I got hit hard in 2008, you know, some of our properties did well, some of them, you know, that were in the linear markets, but you know, we had three properties in California and it was like a real tough hit on us so and we also had some uh, other properties that we're building we did short-term construction loans that we're like oh we'll just refinance out of it at the end and all of a sudden what we're like what Lehman Brothers has failed and you know we can't get loans anymore no one we can't refi and you know heavy duty Uh so um we're just you know buying smart We're, we're still buying yeah and we're just getting you know, being safe or keeping, you know, 12 months reserves per property now. Yeah. Uh, and just making sure we can control the properties that we own through any type of a downturn or any type of a rate hike.
0: I, um, I need to send you a thread that uh, I made uh, today, but as well as ours, because um, our models identical to yours. So we have long-term financing structures. Um, We do not do event-based investing is what I call it, meaning so many people in the self-storage industry are doing regressive underwriting, meaning they're justifying today's price because of a sale tomorrow. And Mm -hmm. when that doesn't work out, it is catastrophic. And all of these young people in this industry that are raising all this money they didn't go through 2008 and right. they don't see how this flips on them and yeah, so yeah. like we have these people that are justifying insane prices and they have interest only four years which then they plan on selling at a four cap yep. and a lot of people say, And then you're like, you know, it may be a five cap. And people are like, okay, cap rate, you know, they're like, really, what's the difference of a four and a five cap? And so (laughs) I did this number and I I wanna share it with you. So because talking about this. So I had just for an example to illustrate to people how powerful this is. So if we had a property um, that gross revenue of 170,000, net income of 100K to make it simple, at a four cap, that's 2.5 million. That's the value, okay? If you had a 10% decrease in occupancy, meaning it went from 98%, which is the average today, just down to historical norms, okay. historical norms, 88%, mm-hmm. and up just one cap rate, all the rest of the revenue, everything stayed identical, no reductions, no nothing. So if you had a 10% decrease in that, and just up one cap rate point to a five cap, the value is 1.8 million.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: So that is a, what is that, uh, over $700,000 loss. And if you put 30% down into it, you are now underwater. That's and the thing. That's all Indeed. it took. Yeah. That's it.
1: That's what deals need to be stress tests. And that, I think that's yes. what's not happening. And it's like, yeah, it, it was pretty easy to do really well in real estate over the last 10 years yeah and and there's a lot of people who have been in real estate for 10 years you know you talk to them uh-huh. and they're just like yeah I know what I'm doing I'm killing it and everything like that yeah, yeah. and and they're just and they're running on fumes too as doing? far as yeah it's exciting like, it, it,
0: yeah. I mean that's it's, what I'm I, worried
1: for him I'm really worried too
0: Because like I, I wrote in this in this big white paper that I putting out for our industry and with all this data, first of all, no one's talking about it. So no one is saying anything about the risks associated. And then I said, you have to understand that the numbers we're looking at, 80% of all the funds that have moved in, which is transferred out of the REITs and the people that had been in it for a long time in 2016, right. they have never, ever been in business in an environment that cap rates weren't dropping, revenues weren't going up, and occupancy wasn't rising. Never, they've never been in an environment like that, and you're like, you know, it's, it, it it's, it, and I don't think that it's like when I when I think in to your point, I don't think that it's a bubble that's going to pop, right? But what's going right. to happen is it's just going to go back to a standardized norm that we're not in right now, but people are placing risk on an asset that shouldn't have risk. So right. by putting a structure that you have to sell in four years or I have to refinance in four years, that that big cell at the end of the rainbow that's your pot of gold, you just turned it into a bomb.
1: Yeah. And yeah. It's an and it's a domino effect in the in the negative yes. sense. Yeah. One one thing starts to fail and then you have to pull money from over here to save that. And then mm-hmm. that one starts to go and it's like do, 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 yeah, it all falls apart.
0: And like you do it though, and like, you know, we're doing it. That's all avoidable today. So yes. Just because you're doing deals today doesn't mean that if the market tanks, you're going to tank with it. And that's what I think a lot of new investors don't understand. Because they say, well, AJ, you say that the self-storage market over the next three years, which it's not just me, it's also banks and funds, everything we all look right. at, it, <laughs> it's going to go back to a normal level. But mm. that, that's a big contraction from today. Well, if it does that, if you think it's going to do that, why are you buying? And I'm like, because I don't, First of all, I don't time markets, but my deals aren't structured in a way in which that'll burn me. Yeah, I'm in and you say no years. to a lot of deals, and I too. say no to a lot of deals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm getting the prime, you know, kind of thing. But if you structure it like everybody, if you're in real estate, you want to do deals now, but you're scared. Just structure it like Rich does. He focuses on cash flow. He's not looking at any short-term events. There's no forced refi, which all of a sudden in a bad environment his equity in the deal has gone negative And now he has to either owe or lose the property, right? Long term for him to make decisions with that property, keep that cash going, he's buying good assets. And for me, I view it as you, like you do, you know, we obviously both went through 2008, we have very much the same, you know, yes. thought process on <laughs> it. But if those if those deals can, sur- it, they need to be able to survive. Mm-hmm. Because the recession always comes and this always happens, the cycles. So just have it constructed in a way like you you're doing right now, and you'll be fine.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. It's it's stress testing your portfolio. It's stress testing your next possible purchase. Uh, but I think first, it's it's the the portfolio, like. Had Kathy and I done that pre 2008 to be like, okay, what would happen if there was a, let's say a 10% reduction in the economy and rents and anything, or what would happen if we couldn't refi, you know, and just kind of play out the scenario. We didn't do that. And that's where we got burned. So now, yeah, now that's in our bones to really constantly look in that and make sure do we have the reserves and how long, what kind of a financial runway do we have if things dip? as long as you can run it out you know yeah and you, 10 years from now you know and you're gonna have appreciation
0: 100 <laughs> yeah yeah three yeah. percent on average years over 10 years equals a lot and that's a yeah. lot of value mm-hmm. and if you get a couple flat years in there and one year that's up that's okay yeah right and yeah. Uh, you know as a new investor I mean, I'd love to hear your opinion because that's who you work. you know, you're literally creating financial freedom for new investors, but right. it's my idea that it's like, you don't look at those markets. Like, don't try to type, don't, don't do that because either you're going to freak yourself out because you can't do it. It's impossible. And you're going to start listening to lots of people that are saying we're at the top or we're at the bottom when who you should be listening to is somebody like Rich saying, no matter where you're at, this is how you do a deal that you'll be okay.
1: Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. And it's also, there's a big difference between like kind of more of a, I almost see myself more of a passive investor, even though I'm pretty active, but you know, it's like, we're in it for the long haul. Kathy and I are both in it for the long haul. And, And that's, that's the huge thing we've learned. It's like, you know, looking at everything in like a 20 year or 30 year window, instead of like, you know, let's do, let's be transactional, you know, Let, yes. let's try to, you know, flip this next year and make 500 grand or
0: something, then, you know, do it again. And I'll, I don't know. That's I'm the same way. And I got to ask you, is, has that been hard over the last three years? Because oh, you yeah. could flip a lot. <laughs> so we could have made lot. a lot of money. Yeah, and there's a lot of short term game in the, in the real estate world. Like a lot, you can make yeah. a bank doing that. And that's the reason why I'd say 90% of the people are not like you rich. They're they're doing it to make that money and they're they're trying to get it. They don't they either don't have the patience or the self-control to build it out for the long term. When they're sitting here going, I could sell this and I put, you know, $50,000 into it and I can sell it for $300,000 profit today. It makes it really hard to not. I
1: know, it. I know. I mean, I would just say yes, yeah, um, yeah. It's Kathy's the total FOMO. She, yeah. <laughs> she's always just like she, you know, she's just around going to these masterminds and speaking at conferences. And people come up to her, and it's like, oh yeah, remember that apartment deal that you turned down and you didn't want to do it? You know, I did it. <laughs> you know, and we, we, you know, we almost doubled our money. And she comes home, and I'm like, honey, we're doing okay. It's everything's fine, yeah. you know. But but it's like. Yeah, that's just, I, what I would just say is if you've made a lot of money over these past five years, three years, even this last year, that's awesome. And congratulations. It's awesome. You took the risk and take some of that money and park it somewhere. I know it's hard to have that money sit there and not be invested where you're getting a high return, but make sure that you have liquid, liquid cash, you know, liquid just. to yes. be able to, Yeah, just in case.
0: We're, I mean, and and two guys that that is gold from Rich right there. And like Rich said, I don't do anything. I'm I'm not, I'm not going to tell people to do something that I'm not practicing. Right? We're doing the same thing as far as refis pull back. We're pulling back a lot, a lot of money. Um, now we're still investing. So mm-hmm. make sure that's understood. I'm not saying that we're not investing and we're hoarding money for the uh, you know coming apocalypse. No, not at all. But we are at a point in cycle where I want more capital in on the sidelines to just be ready. And I'm still investing. I'm being much more clear, though, right now on our investing criteria, deals that we're making. And we are drawing that money and we're just putting putting a lot of it away. So uh, that's really, really good advice.
1: Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. And that's that, you know, that townhouse I was just talking about that is, you know, the mate that's going to be mostly be a short-term rental, you know, that's our deal. We've run the numbers on that. And it's like, even if it's at 50% occupancy, we're still cash flowing on it up there. So, you know, you just, you never know what's going to happen recession wise with short-term rentals and everything, but yeah, it's, yeah. Kind of well, stress test that and, one.
0: You know, that's a perfect example though of a business model that is really predicated on the location because that location is, I mean, prime for that that's a good point
1: yes yeah yeah. that is really with money go to park city and yeah then people with money will not be as hard hit by the recession you're right yeah
0: and they're going skiing mm -hmm. they're doing their they're they're doing their thing right yeah so no that's awesome well um where can people go to get your book man uh and where where can people go to learn more about you uh i i once again this i'm so excited about this book that you've really released and come out everybody needs to check it out it's no matter what level of investing, it doesn't matter, you need to read it.
1: Thank you, yeah, yeah. It's um. So the eBooks out now because of supply, supply chain issues, just like in real estate and so many other things, the, uh, the printers are really backlog on paper. Uh, so the hardcover will come out in August. Uh, the audio book that I narrated, which was an interesting, fun challenge because there's 10 different characters in the book. So I narrated that and (gasps) (laughs) that's a fun, we'll see how it all did. Uh, But that one's coming out in early June, the audio book on Audible. So uh, I'm
0: excited for that one. Because I I just want to hear, hear you make all these other uh, voices. And I'm really hoping you have a bunch of female characters in there so I can uh, hear how that sounds. I I
1: do. You can make fun of me, but (laughs) I actually did a course online, uh, a couple of courses online on how to do, you know, be a. A voiceover artist, so I could learn yeah. not to make the females too feminine or you know, all yeah. that stuff. So that's cool. So, anyway, where p- can people find the book? Um, it's on Amazon, it's on all major booksellers. Um, if people want to learn more about the book, it's uh, The Wise Investor Book, thewiseinvestorbook.com. Um, uh, and then
0: we will put that to everybody in the link so you guys can go and uh, check that out.
1: Awesome. Yeah. So I think, I think that's perfect. And Instagram is just at Rich Fetke, F-E-T-T-K-E. If anyone wants to connect me with there.
0: Yeah. Go, go check out and um, see him on his foil as he's uh, running through the ocean. So he can I'm see gonna all get cool you stuff. on
1: that, man. When you come to oh, Malibu, yeah. we're, we're riding. Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> I'm coming. So, well, Hey man, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate the time that you've uh, spent with us today and uh, everybody too, by the way, Rich is Coming to our event, so he'll be our at our event here in June. uh, So everybody, you guys can come here and see Rich and meet him uh, and learn more from him here. So with that, thanks, man. I appreciate your time.
1: Thank you, Ag. Great to see you.
0: You too. We'll see you, man.